The hour to which the podcast adjourned having arrived, the podcast is now in order. Let's gavel in for this week's State House Takeout with the reporters on top of Beacon Hill at the State House News Service. Here's Sam Doran. And just like that, the last major deadline on the calendar for this year is erased. Because of the COVID-19 pandemic, we've seen deadlines take on a, a squishy definition, uh, extending our income tax filing deadline to extending the deadline for the legislature to propose a budget to use that revenue. And now here we are on July 31st when normally we'd be waiting to see just what major bills could get passed by midnight, what negotiations and deals could be worked out between the House and Senate on this final day that's usually kind of a bottleneck day. Uh, And we've got a lot going on this week. The legislature has been very busy over the last few weeks, actually. But here we are on July 31st, and there's no midnight deadline. Joining us to talk about what's been going on and what we're going to see spill into the fall and potentially until the first Wednesday in January, uh, here's a full house, a full stable of news service reporters back on the takeout, back in the saddle again. It's uh, Colin Young, it's Katie Lannon, it's Chris Lasinski, it's Matt Murphy. Hi, guys. Hey, Sam. Howdy. Sam, I think you're, I think you're uh, mixing podcast metaphors there with those uh, horse suggestions. Oh, I, I really, is, is, is there an e- equine podcast out there that... I didn't know you were a horse enthusiast. All right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, Katie, uh, you wrote about the um, deadline extension uh, for the legislature uh, to breeze past the 31st of July. And I'm curious for your and, and others' thoughts, uh, does this actually make legislators' lives easier? Did the pandemic come to the rescue and save us from this end-of-July bottleneck? I mean, I guess that's a little bit to be determined to see how uh, today progresses. It's just after 10 a.m. on Friday, so we still have uh, a lot of July 31st to go through. But um, yeah, it it seems to be like a little bit less of the, the crunch time that we normally see. You know, we've got several bills either in conference committee or, or heading there, but nothing's really come out of conference yet. And it doesn't seem, although there's been talk of, you know, the, the policing bill in particular getting a deal done by today, we're, we don't really seem to have that same pressure you usually have to get everything agreed to, um, which, you know, the flip side of that coin is not having a, a deadline might make it harder to reach a deal if you don't have to get something done by today at midnight or, or start it all over in January. Hey, that's a good point. Sometimes you see that deadline push people into action. Uh, Colin, what do you yeah. think? Yeah, I wonder too if, um, sort of on the on the other end of things, if um, if this sort of open endedness now uh, might make it harder for individual members to uh, compel action on a bill to force uh, you know to force an issue. Um, we heard from the Senate president uh, yesterday, Thursday, that uh, it seems like she's thinking sort of a more narrow agenda for this extension period. 
Uh, so I'm wondering if that's going to make it difficult for members to really press something and enforce action. Yeah, it's interesting you say that. Uh, Chris, you've written about the deadline extension too. Uh, it was interesting yesterday during the sessions and in media avails, uh, Spilka, Bruce Tarr, the minority leader, um, they talk about this kind of narrow scope of what they want to tackle in the fall or what they want to leave for the fall, but the extension itself lets them do anything. Yeah, that's right. It, it's not formal in the language that they have agreed to, both the House and the Senate, what they can do over the next five plus months. But uh, President Spilka has sort of put informal limits out there, focusing specifically on the budget that they'll have to come back and do in the fall once the financial outlook is clearer, focusing on anything that gets into a conference committee and focusing on any COVID-related priorities. Those were the three big topics she said the extension would be used to cover. I guess it remains to be seen if she'll keep to that word or if the, the House, for instance, might be able to force the Senate to take something else outside that scope up if it, if it acts first sometime in the next few months. Or another good question there is, is what if the House acts on, you know, a, a Senate priority? If there's something that, you know, there's some bills that have passed the Senate, say they say the Senate, you know, dis, or the House rather decides a month from now that they want to act on the the how the senate say the house decides a month from now they want to act on the senate's drug pricing bill or or mental health bill you know i i don't think i think you'd be hard pressed to say well that's not our limited agenda if it's something they want to get done good point if it's a shared priority um yeah in in conference oh go ahead chris i I just want to say you know they're, they're always willing to suspend the actual written down rules that govern legislative business. And if they're willing to suspend actually printed rules, I wouldn't be surprised if they're willing to suspend uh, informal promises for what the scope of business will be. Actually, I've, I've got in my hot little hands here a Statehouse News Service story from 1995 when they established Joint Rule 12A, which is the rule that we've been talking about that says... Normally, you can't go past July 31st. And one of the advocates who had been pushing for that and an end to lame duck sessions was Barbara Anderson of Citizens for Limited Taxation. And she had a great quote in here. Uh, Quote, I've seen the rules suspended here in seconds. It's never been hard to suspend the rules here. So anyway, she was saying that potentially down the road, if July 31st wasn't in statute. They could just suspend the rule and keep meeting, and eh, that's, that's what we're doing. So Matt Murphy, in conference right now, we've got policing reform. We've got a couple of bond bills for information technology, infrastructure, and transportation. We've got a huge economic development bill, and uh, it seems like we've got climate legislation heading that way. Uh, anything else that you think might uh, might get queued up? I mean, the Senate and the and the House have both taken up smaller, uh, less uh, recognizable pieces of legislation over the course of this week that I suppose could find their way uh, into conference committee. Uh, the Senate in particular did some work uh, yesterday around step therapy and uh, some other pieces. So uh, those could always uh, make their way into conference uh, today. I guess we're watching. We don't really know. And 
Uh, maybe by the time people uh, listen to this podcast, uh, they'll have a better idea than we do right now, whether or not this is a, a midnight type of night where we're waiting for conference reports to get finished or if they knock off at five o'clock and say, hey, you know, we got a lot of time. But I think, uh, you know, you, you brought up that story uh, from 1995. And uh, it, it's a bit instructive, I think, because as we look at these conference committees, particularly the economic development one, which, uh, as we know, has a major uh, illegalization of sports betting in it, uh, at least in the House version and not on the Senate side. And the Senate uh, keeps kind of throwing out these platitudes about how they're studying it, they need more time, this isn't the right vehicle, but we'll get to it. We don't really know what that means. Does that mean next session? Could that come up in a standalone bill in uh, September, October, November, or a lame duck session uh, after the elections on November 3rd? And this rule was actually put in place back in 1995 when Weld was governor. After, in a lame duck session, uh, the legislature enacted uh, raises for themselves and put in place and put in place a capital gains tax cut uh, at the same time uh, to kind of offset the, the optics of uh, passing a, a lame duck raise for themselves. And they came back the next year and said, no more. We're going to draw this clear boundary between uh, the legislating season and then uh, the elections. Uh, so that is now getting blurred in a way that we haven't seen in over two decades. And I think, you know, we we don't really know what the future is going to bring for uh, 2020. Mm-hmm. Katie, um, as we look ahead to the fall calendar and Matt mentions some of the uncertainty, um, some of the options and possibilities, uh, some folks have been asking, well, do you think August 1st we're just going to keep on trucking? Um, and it occurs to me as I look around the chambers these days, lawmakers are human too, and I think they're all pretty tired, uh, but a lot of them also have uh, contested primaries, right? And they, they've got to go back home and campaign. Contested primaries, you know, obligations in the district, and let's not forget it's a summer after a very... Uh, <laughs> hectic and bizarre spring that became a hectic and bizarre summer and people are going to take vacations too you know august is like you said people are human and august is vacation season on beacon hill as much as it's um campaign season we have a an early early primary this year right you know off the top of september and people people in contested races are going to want to hit the trail, not that there are many contested races um, in the legislature, but the the handful that do. But one of the the interesting things, to get back to your point, Sam, about areas where the pandemic might have made things easier, is it it might make scheduling easier, because there's no reason that a rep can't call into a session from their district um, office. You know, certainly not going to do the forbidden task of uh, mixing campaign and and office time, but call in from the district, call in from a vacation, um, even, you know, a beachside formal session is not an impossibility now. And certainly it at least cuts out for the lawmakers who are in kind of the districts that are further from Boston. They don't have to worry about staying overnight or travel time or things like that. Um, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if we see some sort of um, 
scheduling announcement, some sort of further information, at least for the, the lawmakers themselves, the reps and senators to know what to expect. Yeah, and when they were adopting that order to extend past the 31st, uh, Minority Leader Brad Jones in the House uh, sought to, to change the order to kind of in, enshrine in that order that the Speaker would give them 14 days notice, uh, but that, that amendment was rejected. So, yeah, it's, we'll, we'll, we'll wait and see uh, what sort of plans are announced. Uh, Chris, um, with especially now that we've had the whole policing reform debate on Beacon Hill and some, some tight votes, especially compared to what we would normally see in the House. And actually, since we taped the last podcast last Friday morning, it's worth noting that uh, the final vote on the policing reform bill in the House was 93 to 66. Anyway, pretty narrow vote compared to what we normally see in the House with a lot of Democrats crossing over to vote against the bill. Um, so, Chris, I know you've done a lot of uh, spreadsheet Excel um, work with uh, the campaigns for this fall. Quite um, a characterization. Yeah, um, a lot of the wonky stuff. So um, just, just, just how many contested primaries are there where something like that tight policing reform vote is going to end up uh, potentially making lawmakers August uh, less of a vacation land? Well, Sam, not to undercut your earlier point that legislators are humans and need some time off and need to focus on their campaigns, but there are not many of them that will have very big, busy Augusts, defending their own seats at least. Only 37 out of the 200 Massachusetts state lawmakers face a primary race. Uh, or sorry, let me, excuse me. Only 37 of the seats in the legislature will have a contested primary, 14 of which are for open seats being vacated by departed members. So that leaves you, what, 23 sitting lawmakers who face primary challenges from their own parties. Overall, altogether, 126 of the 200 state lawmakers don't face any opponent whatsoever in the primary or the general. So that's far more than half will basically have the next few months off to campaign for their colleagues, campaign for other politicians in whom they believe, or take an extended vacation if they choose to do so. Oh, very nice. All right, so that's some of what August portends. All right, friends, so what are we exactly extending session for? Uh, let's start with uh, Matthew Murphy. Um, Matt, name us a priority heading into the fall. Yeah, well, the biggest reason that was made it obvious pretty much all along that they were going to have to extend in one form or another with limitations or in this open-ended way that they chose to was the state budget. It remains unresolved. There is no budget in place for fiscal 2021, which began on July uh, 1st. Uh, they are waiting to see what the federal government might do in terms of delivering new relief to states that could plug uh, a budget gap in Massachusetts that could be anywhere from $2 billion to $8 billion. Uh, The state is still trying to figure out what tax revenues might look like, uh, what the fall might look like in terms of the spread of the virus and what that could mean for the state's economic recovery and business reopening. So there's still a lot of certainty uncertainty around that. And that's why you haven't even seen the House or the Senate put out a budget plan of their own. Uh, so that was the big piece. Uh, and there is currently, uh, I'm assuming that at some point today, the governor will sign uh, this interim budget to keep government 
uh, operating uh, into tomorrow because current funding expires on August 1st. But they put a three-month interim budget on his desk that will keep government running through October. And uh, Senate Ways and Means Chairman Michael Rodrigues saying that at this point in time, it's their intention to get a full year budget in place uh, by October. But uh, you never know. Uh, they could always extend again. Good point. And you say it's the biggest priority. Well, yeah, it is the uh, one bill that the Constitution mandates they do every year. So, yeah. Um, Chris Lasinski, give us a priority. Obviously, the other lingering priority will be what happens over the next few months with the COVID pandemic. Um, that was the other big reason they cited, not just the fact that um, the, the budget is delayed, but anything could happen in the next five months. We've seen case counts skyrocket across the rest of the country and over the past week or so start to creep back up in Massachusetts. So three months from now, we could find ourselves in an April-like situation where Lawmakers need to pass another emergency relief act or implement some other kind of change to state law to offer some uh, some help to those on the front lines of fighting this virus. Hopefully we're not in that situation and hopefully the sort of gradual recovery we've experienced continues, but uh, legislative leaders made clear they want to give themselves the flexibility to respond to anything that comes up over the next few months without having to try and do all of that through informal sessions. An excellent point. Colin A. Young. Uh, can I give you two, Sam? Go for it, man. Okay, they I'll both take fall- mine. <laughs> I hope I'm not taking Katie's. <laughs> These both fall under the category of things that probably were going to get done uh, at some point this session, but that uh, you know lost uh, two or three months' time of work because of the pandemic. Uh, one is economic development which uh, is, you know, the economic development bill gets done at the end of every two-year session for the most part, uh, so likely would have been getting done around now anyways, but this uh, time around takes on um, some added significance given that uh, there's going to be a lot packed in there to, to try to help people affected by the pandemic. Uh, the other one uh, under that same category is climate change legislation. Uh, back in January, the governor, Senate president, and Speaker of the House all uh, got behind the goal of net zero carbon emissions by 2050, uh, all on the same day back in January. But that hasn't actually been been put into stone yet. Um, so we'll see what the House does today to finish up its climate change bill. But that's an issue that's likely headed to conference and uh, will be one to watch through the extension. Mm. And Katie Lannon. Thanks for not taking mine. Uh, <laughs> I was nervous going last, but you know, one of the things we've got is the branches are trying to take another shot at agreeing on healthcare legislation, uh, telehealth access, maybe some more funding for community hospitals like the House is trying to do. Healthcare has been an area that's where they've, you know, agreement has eluded them for a while. We'll see if they can can get something done. And, you know, leaving open the possibility that anything can happen in the next 13 or so hours um, from when we're recording, even if they do get a a police reform bill to the governor's desk today, I don't, I don't know that they're going to want to leave the final word with him. We could see a, I I don't know what the votes would be in either branch, but we we could see a session to respond to an amendment or or try to override a veto and, and really wrap that up. Well, Katie brings up a, a very interesting point that we haven't actually discussed and what this extension does uh, even if, uh, as uh, Senate President Spilka said, she still wanted to see a policing reform conference committee report filed and voted on uh, 
by the end of the day today, Friday, July 31st. There's a whole new world here in which Governor Baker now has the option of sending this bill back with amendments, and that would not effectively kill legislation anymore. And it's going to apply to policing. It's going to apply to the economic development bill and anything else that they put forward. So uh, because the governor gets 10 days to review any bill, uh, the window had closed for the legislature to have any hope of overriding uh, any vetoes the governor might issue or even taking up any amendments that the governor uh, might send back. Uh, now he has the option to send them back. They could take some time. They could consider any amendments. It doesn't foreclose uh, a sort of back and forth between the executive branch and the legislature on some of these big thorny issues like qualified immunity that could potentially have imperiled a police bill uh, had we not seen the legislature extend this session. So a whole new dynamic that we're not used to at the end of the two-year session. Well, thank you, Matt. And, uh, you know, the more things get bizarre during the pandemic, the more they stay the same. We do still have a few weeks at the end of July full of a whole lot of legislating. And uh, I'm even having dreams about the legislature uh, these days. Reptonato was in my dream last night. So... Um... <laughs> Are you sure you just haven't been listening to the intro of this podcast uh, maybe before you go to bed? <laughs> well... <laughs> Um, before, uh, before Representative Donato gavels us out of session for the week, um, perhaps, uh, I can get a motion from the floor to extend 12A so the takeout can meet into the fall. So moved. Hey, good enough for me. All those in favor say aye, opposed no, the ayes have it. And the takeout will be right back in your inbox next Friday. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Sam. See ya. See ya, folks. Statehouse Takeout is a production of the Statehouse News Service. And for a daily fix of Statehouse headlines, visit masterlist.com. Masterlist with two S's. Thanks again for listening. See you next week.